0: Let's see here. Ten fifty six. All right. Twelve o'clock. Here we go. All right. So, <laughs> so for, for I appreciate you guys again. Thank you for the invite. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Fellowship. The fellowship. No pun intended. Has been excellent. I appreciate it. Um, um So, so for for this last consideration, I want us to spend some time in First First John chapter one. First John chapter one. Um, man, you gotta love John. Uh, John. John, first John one and John one. If you've never put those two chapters side by side, do it. Do it. It's 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 amazing um, how John uh, kind of sets those or writes those chapters. Now, obviously, it was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't take away personality. Sam <laughs> yeah. having this conversation with a brother just the other day. Um, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit, though, um, though he reveals and inspired the apostles to speak and write God's word, he didn't take away their personality, nor did he take away their volition. They could literally been like, no, I don't want to do this. They could have. They had the choice. But you can clearly see the difference, difference between how Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, you can, Jude, you can clearly see the difference in how they write. All right? they, they are, they, I'm, I'm reminded, I know this is a little bit off subject, but, but, uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and following, Paul said, uh, for I came not to you with an excellency of speech, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and crucified. Not that Paul couldn't speak excellently, or that it was even wrong. The reason Paul couldn't speak to them with excellency of speech is because of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. They were carnal-minded. They weren't spiritual-minded. They couldn't, they couldn't handle the things that he, was gonna, he needed to say to them. Not that it was wrong for him to talk with excellency of speech, because if it was wrong for Paul to talk with excellency of speech, he never would have wrote the Book of Romans. Have you ever read Romans? That is excellency of speech, brothers. Like Paul's scholarship is on full display in the Book of Romans. Um, and so um, I just say that all that to say this about John. John, it's amazing when you look at those chapters, and John— um, discusses fellowship with God. And so that's just one aspect I want to take because um, I thought, and, and, and Joel can take this for if he hadn't already, you know, if he hadn't already preached sermons on fellowship, regardless, he can take you further um, but down the fellowship line because I felt like um, the first lesson I want to set a foundation of fellowship, and when we consider the progression of consideration, it was God first. So I wanted my next lesson to be God, right? And then I might do fellowship with others, right? Um, and so, or just just the idea of fellowship going forward. When we when we looked in the lesson previous, we defined fellowship as per, well. We didn't define it. The word is defined uh, as participation, partnership, or social intercourse. If you consider any reliable Greek, you know, um, lexi- lexicon like Thayer's you know, or Strong, that's that's going to be your definition. Um, and in order to have fellowship, things must be common. So now when we talk about fellowship with God, then, then, then we got to have things common with God. Uh, Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? That's fellowship. <laughs> That's fellowship. Can two walk together except they be agreed? If there's nothing common, we cannot have fellowship. And so when we consider John, we'll look at verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. We'll look at 5 through the remaining, remaining of the chapter in First John. There, there, there is a, when we consider fellowship with God, know this, that there are claims made. John gives the claim in 1 John 1, 5 and 6. So your first, your first point is going to be the claim, right? The, the, the claim of fellowship. Some, some people claim that fellowship with God, and we see it all the time. Like, we can, we can, we, you can ride down any street and see a thousand religious bodies. Right, you can see a million religious denominations all claiming to have fellowship with God. But notice what John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He said, This then is the message which with which we have declared and which we declare or which we have received and which we declare unto you, right? Notice this that God is light and in him is a little bit of darkness. No darkness at all. You know what John is? You know what John is making reference to here? God's divine nature. What you can write next to next to that passage in your Bible, if you like to notate it in your Bible, I love writing in my Bible, um, is God's divine nature. Like John sums it up, he sums up all of God's nature right there in that verse. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is complete in. Every attribute that he he extends, like his holiness, his righteousness, his judgment, his mercy, his grace, his love, everything is complete and full in God. There is no darkness at all in him. But then he says, and if we say, now notice this, God is light, in him is no darkness. But look at the claim. If we say we have fellowship, that's the word koinonia, right, based on having things common if we say we have something in common with God, if we say we have partnership, participation, and social intercourse with God, if we say that, if we say we have fellowship, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Friends, there is the claim, and that's many will claim, many claim they have fellowship with God, but they walk in darkness. What does that look like? What does walking in darkness look like? Well, number one, it looks like actively participating and engaging in sin. That's what it looks like. What will the religious world tell you? You can live any kind of way you want to live. You can do whatever you want to do. Once saved, always saved. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. That's all you got to do. You can be shagging up, right? That's what that's what, my, thats what my mom used to call it when people were living together, not married. Now you, can, you, can shag up. you can be shagging up. You can live in fornication, You can do that. You can be a liar. You can be a thief. But God knows your heart, which is not in your best interest, by the way. Anybody ever read Matthew 15? I wish God didn't know my heart. Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out. Because what comes out comes from the heart. Evil, stealth, fornication, murder, blasphemy. All of these things come out of the heart. Those defile the man. But even with washing hands, they don't defile the man. I wish God didn't know my evil heart. God knows your heart. Friends, that is not a good thing. Right, but they will teach this. They will say, oh, you can do whatever you want to do and still have fellowship with God. That's a claim. It looks like living in sin. But why did Jesus come? Friends, let me, let me, let's be absolutely, completely bluntly honest right here. God didn't send heavens very, you know he didn't send an archangel. Right? If you read Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus didn't come. Hebrews chapter 1, he was made a little lower than the angels. Hebrews chapter 2, he did not come as an angel to save angels. So the Hebrews writer said he didn't come as an angel. He took on flesh like the children and experienced death that he could destroy him, verse 14, that had the power of the death. That is the devil. And deliver them who, who through fear of death for their entire lives were under bondage right fear right death doesn't it, it it terrifies people people would rather be in the coffin than preaching the eulogy right public speaking first first fear death second but people are terrified of death everybody want to go to heaven nobody want to die right everybody want to go to heaven nobody wants to die though right the death would because before we knew it before jesus came back man, man didn't know what death was you know he didn't know he's just like i don't know but now jesus says oh i conquered that right you don't have to worry about it i conquered it you're going to get up if you're faithful right same spirit that rose jesus romans eight eleven will raise the faithful but jesus came like, he didn't, God didn't send an archangel. He didn't send a cherubim. He didn't send a seraphim. He didn't send a heavenly host. He sent heaven's very best. God himself became flesh, came down here, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and lived a perfect, sinless life that we might be able to have a chance to trip life. He didn't come down here and do all of that. God didn't move heaven. He didn't unfold the gospel plan over the millennia. He didn't put the church in his mind just so we could keep living in sin. Friends, that, 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 there's going to be a lot of people who are surprised on their judgment. They're going to be surprised that Jesus says unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. Now, there are going to be several people who thought they had fellowship with God, but they lived in sin. First, and In Colossians 1.13, notice that God tri- delivered us from the power of darkness. 1 John 1.5, God is light, no darkness. If we walk in darkness, if we say we have fellowship and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Notice Colossians 1.13, God sent his son to deliver us from the power of darkness and to translate us into the kingdom of his dear son, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Friends, like Jesus Christ came down here to deliver us from sin. Not that we could just feel comfortable living in it and just simply believe. Right? that's, That's crazy. That's crazy, but that's what many teach. Many teach that. Many teach you can do what you want, when you want, and I'm afraid that even some members of the Lord's Church have, 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 uh, have, have secured this disposition. Oh, I can just do it all. as long as I show up on Sunday. As long as I show up on Sunday, take the Lord's Supper, give my $5, you know, labor through some preaching, I'm good. You know Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. The word service there is the Greek word latreia. It means worship. It translates to worship. Paul literally said, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. That's acceptable worship to God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, one, 1 and 2, I like to say this, it catches Monday through Saturday. That passage catches Monday through Saturday. Worship just doesn't start when you walk into this parking lot, when you walk into this building. That's not when worship stops and ends. That's when your corporate worship begins and ends. That's the day we're commanded to come together and assemble <coughs> together in one place. Yes, we have to do that, but friends, when we walk out of the door, doesn't mean that God stops. Right First Peter chapter two, verse nine. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you show forth the praise of him who hath done what, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He've called us out of darkness. That's what he's done. So when we're living in sin, we can't have fellowship with God. If we're not obeying God's word, how many claim to have fellowship with God? Oh, you look at church buildings on every corner. They lie. And the streets church buildings do all claiming they have fellowship with God all teaching something different what would y'all do if Joel got up here Joel got up here and said uh, tomorrow Joel got up there and said hey man you gotta be baptized to be saved and then next Sunday he goes up here and says you know what never mind uh, forget. you don't have to be baptized to be saved and then he got up there next Sunday man there's one church And he got up the very next Sunday and said, listen, man, this is more than one church. You find it in a church. He got up there one Sunday and said, man, instrumental music is sinful. The very next Sunday he says, what would y'all do to Joel? Yeah. I would imagine he'd lose his job. We can understand that. And don't you know that even denominations would agree with that? They say that person was crazy. But then they will all agree that we're all right. That you can't, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't hold both positions. You can't say one man can't teach all of that, but several men can, right? You can't, you can't do that. So there are many people who are saying they have fellowship with God and they line the streets, church buildings line the streets, but friends, they don't keep God's word. And we have to be careful about that too. What does God's word say about the gospel? What does God's word say about worship? What does God's word say about righteous living? In first John chapter two, verse four, John said, he that saith I know God and keepeth not his commandments. He is a liar, and the truth is not in him. God said, you gotta be baptized. They say, nope. But we have fellowship with God. We know him. can't have fellowship with God, friends, if you're not keeping his word. So number one, if you're living in sin, if you're not keeping his word, and number three, if you are... Fellowshipping with darkness, so you can't you can't have simultaneous fellowship, right? You can't be. You can't, you know, you can't straddle the fence. Satan owns the fence, like you can't you can't stand on the fence, you can't be on the fence. Satan owns it, right? So so in 2 Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen, Paul said, "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship." Have righteousness with unrighteousness. Interesting that Paul used the word uh, medarchy there. That word is almost the same word as fellowship. But then he says, what communion? That's actually the word koinonia. It's the word fellowship. It's used four times. He said, what communion hath light with darkness? What fellowship is there? Where there is nothing common, there is no fellowship. And if we are living in sin, and we are actively engaged and participating in sin and we're not following god's word and we're fellowshipping with darkness we cannot have fellowship with god christians need to know that christians need to hear that and as gospel preachers we do not need to pacify christians there is not ever a time that a christian should leave my sermon leave my sermon feeling like sin is okay there's never a time there's never a time they're gonna leave a sermon from me feeling like, oh, it's okay if I do, no. no there is never a time where a is gonna leave my sermon and not be convicted or feel comfortable, right? There should never be a time. Actually, Paul was saying in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That word reprove means expose. Like, we don't fellowship with darkness, we expose it. We call it out, we publicize it. Right? Listen, we know there's a situation with a congregation here that is, at the beginning of the year, going to go full blast with incorporating instrumental music. We, we know this. Right? We expose it. I exposed it. I preached on it. I pulled information from their website. And I used it in a sermon. And I refuted every part and point. Have not received a call yet. Waiting on it. Friends, we don't fellowship. We expose. That's what Paul said do. Now, of course, I get it. We live in this world of political correctness. Mm, You can't say this. You can't do that. That's unloving. They did not know Jesus. I don't know what Jesus people think they know. But Jesus was a man's man nothing about Jesus that says flake to me. Nothing about Jesus that says uh, Skittles, sprinkles, candies, and unicorns. Like, Jesus was a man's man. He came down here to save the world, and it ultimately cost him his life, his preaching did. Jesus did not. He did not. He did not apologize. He did not compromise. He did not change his message. He preached it in love, and he loved people. But have you ever read Matthew 23? Have you ever seen the woes he pronounced on the—can you imagine— when Jesus called the Pharisees vipers, I guess people think he said, Oh, ye vipers. Oh, ye hypocrites. I guess that's the way people think he said it. I imagine it was very pointed. The Bible says Jesus screamed, right? He, so, when Jesus was preached, preach, sometimes notice this in, in the gospel accounts. The Bible says he cried out. You know what that word translates? He screamed. Jesus preached. He preached. I can imagine he said, "You vipers, you hypocrites!" I can imagine he was very pointed with his statement. And we have to be, right? So no, there is no fellowship with God, friends. There's a claim that there's fellowship with God, but John clearly said. Now, who you gonna believe? You gonna believe John, an inspired apostle, or you gonna believe Johnny come lately? You gonna believe Johnny come lately, religious, religious body? or are you going to believe Jesus, or John? Who are you going to believe? I'm going to believe John. John said, if we say we have fellowship with him, walking we'll walk in darkness, he said, you're a liar. Right? We'd be afraid to call somebody a liar today. We'd be like, oh, I can't. I don't want to call anybody a liar. That's what John called him. So here's a condition, though. Notice verse 7. Two little letters that make a small word that means eternity. Notice verse 7. But if we walk in the light. Friends, that's conditional. That is conditional. That's your choice. It's my choice. Jesus is not in the business of making people do what they don't want to do. If you'll recall in Matthew, chapter, John chapter 6, Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. The Bible says many turned to walk with him no more because they thought he was teaching cannibalism. You know what <laughs> Jesus turned to his disciples and said? He dropped down on his knees and said, please don't leave me. Is that what Jesus did? The Bible says he turned to his disciples and said unto them, Will you go away also? There's, there's a door. There's a door. This message ain't changing. Yeah. <laughs> this message not changing. Are y'all ready for this message? Will you go away also? He didn't beg them to stay. Jesus didn't beg them to stay. He's not in business of keeping people who don't want to be kept. And so in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, John said, If... We walk in the light as he is in the light. Then, here's an if-then statement. Now, the word then is not there, but it's implied. You can see the grammatical construct. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Here's where your horizontal and vertical fellowship is. Then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Right? And so, and that word cleanseth is present tense, active. As long as we keep on living in the light, his blood keeps on cleansing us. Anytime you see the word, eth, right, in, in, in the King's English, in King James, you know. Anytime you see the word eth on the end of a word, is present tense active. It means, it means that this is an action that occurs right now, but it extends into the future. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, starts cleansing us and keeps on cleaning. Okay. I love the fact that the blood is not just a one-stop shop. I love the fact that it keeps on cleansing, because I need it. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I need a continual cleansing. Right? And so we keep on walking, he keeps on cleansing. But notice that is the condition. If, if, if we walk, Ephesians 5:15, let us then walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for if we walk. By faith and not by sight, we walk by. You notice the word walk. The word walk there means manner of life, conduct. It's peripatao in the Greek. It means the way you live. If we walk, how? In the light. How do we walk in the light? Friends, I got to have book chapter verse for everything I do and say. It's that simple. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. How do we walk in the light? Through continued obedience to God's word. That's how we walk in the light. If we do that, then we have fellowship with God and with one another. But if we don't do that, then there is no notice the contrast. If we walk in the light, then we have fellowship. So what if we don't walk in the light? What's the necessary conclusion? Then we don't have fellowship. That is that simple. It's that simple. So we have the claim, then you have the condition. It's conditional, John says. But then notice confession, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and his truth is not in us, right? But if we confess our sin, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us for all unrighteousness. For if we say we have not sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Notice the confession. When we when we understand it, man, I, I, I listen. I have <laughs> Solomon said in Ecclesiastes seven twenty two. Seven twenty. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sins not. Not one. Jesus. Jesus is the only one. That's, the, that's he's outlier. Let's take Jesus out of this. Right. Let's remove Jesus because he's the obvious answer. Right. That's the answer in Bible class, Jesus, right? He's the obvious answer. Outside of Jesus, what person lived a fully sinful life? Boy, you'd be hard-pressed, wouldn't you? It shouldn't take long to answer that, does it? No, 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 man. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sineth not. There is not one person that ever lived sinless other than Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. Right, we need to understand that we do fall short, and because we fall short, we understand that God can cleanse. Right, that's the confession. If I'm going to have fellowship with God, I'm going to have to debase myself. Like I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to. James 4:10. I'm going to have to humble myself so that God can lift me up. Here's a good dichotomy for you. If if God, if you do the lift lowering, God will do the lifting. But if you do the lifting, God is going to do the lowering, all right? And it hurts when God does it. You just might as well humble yourself. It will be better if you just do it than if God has to do it. If God has to humble you, it typically hurts, all right? You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it if God has to humble you. But if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. When we humble ourselves before God we say, God, I need you. I've fallen short. I know I can't have fellowship with you. I have sin in my life. I want to get it right. God has obviously given us the cure. He's given us the prescription. We can do it. Notice what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. Paul said that he he, um, he, he had prayed. Um, Paul recounts a situation 14 years earlier where he was allowed to go to the third heaven and experience some things that he couldn't utter. Um, And he could have boasted in those things, but there was uh, giving him a messenger of Satan that would buffet him. Now, we don't know. Obviously, this is going to be speculation. Um, We we stay away from that, right? We can speculate all day long about the Bible. Some people will have written articles about what the thorn in the flesh is and have no clue. That is interesting to me. You don't know what the thorn in the flesh is, but people have written whole articles telling us what the thorn in the flesh is when God didn't tell us. Like, God didn't reveal it, but yet somehow you know um, and, I, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is just let's just stick to the Bible. That's safe. We don't know what the thorn is. What we do know is that Paul prayed three times that it be removed. But what was Jesus' response to him in verse nine? My grace, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. When do we see God the brightest? Right when we've humbled ourselves and we, we're in submission to God and, and we realize our position. I mean, you see God brighter than. but if you if you're arrogant and you're boastful and you're prideful, you won't see God. You can't see God. There is no scripture. <laughs> what was Satan's problem? Pride. There is no scripture that commends pride. There's no scripture that says, hey, be prideful. That's a good thing. Not one, right? Like if you're a prophet you won't see God. When we're humble, we can see God. We can confess God. We can confess and say, God, I need you. I can have fellowship with you. That's a beautiful thing about it. And you can't hide anything anyway from God. As Psalm 139, we know that that entire psalm is about the omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence of God. But in Hebrews 13 4, what does Hebrews write to say? Neither is there any creature that is not manifest before his sight. For all things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Yeah, can't hide anything from God anyway. You know the old saying, you can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool all the people some of the time. You can't fool God none of the time. <laughs> you can't hide anything from God. Because he knows the hearts and minds of men. Revelation 2.23, Jesus Christ will judge the hearts of men. The word of God gets down to the deepest, darkest crevices of our soul. Hebrews 4 and 12, the word of God is quick, is powerful, is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus Christ is going to judge the very deepest, darkest corners of our soul. Revelation, not Revelation. Romans, Romans two sixteen. That's what Paul would say. Paul would say, in that day, God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Friends, that's that's fellowship with God. That 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 has to be primary before we can truly and and really before the church can can fully absorb and engage true fellowship. Obviously, just like anything else, we need to teach it. Right? Sometimes we, we take for granted and we assume that all Christians know what they're supposed to do all the time. You know what I'm saying? It's just like evangelism. What would what we sit back and say? All Christians are responsible for evangelism. It's not the preacher's job. It's not the elder's job. It's not the deacon's job. All the Christians are responsible for evangelism. but then Christians don't know how to evangelize. But we just assume that just because we know it to be true that all Christians are responsible for evangelism, We assume that all Christians know how. But what is the work of the church? Ephesians 4.12, the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. If we want Christians, if we want members of our churches to evangelize, guess what we better be doing? Teaching them how to evangelize. We need to preach sermons on how to evangelize. We need to teach classes. We need to set up classes on how to evangelize. we just take it for granted that all christians are supposed to evangelize yes you're right i concede you win that argument now what now what where do we go from there since we've established the fact that all christians have to evangelize where do we go now (laughs) right because our churches should be full based on that argument but they're not because we haven't taught right so just like anything else We need to teach fellowship, right? We need to preach fellowship, teach it in our classes. You know, we we teach the congregation how to fellowship, starting with the purpose of fellowship and and then how to fellowship with God and making sure that a fellowship extends properly even throughout the world. Right there, there are situations where we don't have spiritual fellowship, but we may have social fellowship. I, I mentioned them earlier on your job. I fellowship with people on my job. I have a team. You know, we go out to eat to lunch sometimes. We go to each other's houses for maybe a, a, a dinner or something. You know, that's my my admin team. But we we don't we don't spiritual fellowship. Right there is no spiritual fellowship, and so um, and so so when we consider fellowship, the purpose of um, fellowship, the, you know they had. They had a purpose of fellowship, the practice of fellowship, the profit of fellowship. And we talked about just the principle of fellowship. And then fellowshipping with God, we saw the claim, we saw the condition, and we saw the confession. Again, uh, brethren, I appreciate you um, inviting me, spending some time with him. May God bless you and keep you as you seek to conform your will to his.